0: This is Focal Point for Thursday the 17th of March 2011, books in the 21st century. Welcome to Focal Point, the podcast that shows you how to tap into the power of the internet in your business and your life. Now it's over to your hosts, Chris Padney and Gihan Pereira for this week's edition. Hello Chris, how are you?
1: Well thanks Gihan, how are you?
0: Oh very well. Have you been doing lots of reading? Uh, I have, I've been reading our podcast notes Gihan. (laughs) Good, good, because our podcast today is all about books and how the whole concept of reading has changed in the modern internet world and not just talking about reading things like blog posts and articles and... Newspapers online, but specifically today we're going to be talking about how we read books. So, just the old fashioned concept of somebody writing a book and then different ways that we can read them. And I guess this was prompted by something that happened fairly recently in Australia's fairly big news story because it affected lots of people in the retail industry, which means it affected consumers, is that two big booksellers, who are bo- actually both owned by the same group, Borders and Angus and Robertson in Australia, and also Whitcools in New Zealand, which is also owned by this red group, they went into voluntary administration. So basically, they, they're almost broke, or at least they're trying to get out of a very uh, dire situation as far as the business is concerned. And um, this was big news. It was big news, and when I did some research into it, I found that the, within the industry it seemed like it wasn't such a such a surprise, but certainly for most of us who weren't part of the publishing industry, it did come as big news, and it was you know big big news, uh, mainstream news for a couple of days. They talked about what impact this would have on other booksellers. They talked about what are the reasons that it happened. The people who had book vouchers. So the timing was particularly unfortunate because people who got book vouchers for Christmas, they were then told, so the administrator said, well, you can only, uh, you can, if you redeem your book voucher, you have to pay cash on top of that as well. So if you had a $50 book voucher, then you had to buy $100 worth of books and pay the additional $50 yourself. And so that caused a bit of an outcry and upset among consumers as well. So the, there was a lot of discussion about actually what caused it. And the, the the obvious place to point the finger is that the internet caused it. And people are now buying books online and people are buying ebooks. And we you know we think that's that's partly true, but it seems that in this case, Borders and Angus and Robertson, there's the story seems to be bad financial management. So it was bad bad business decisions that, that really led to that. However Obviously, we think that the Internet must have had some impact on the, the failure of these two groups. And so we thought we'd talk today about how the Internet has changed the way that we read. So today we're going to talk about
1: three ways that the, impact, that the Internet has impacted on reading books. Firstly, how you get your hands on books in the first place, so buying them from an online retailer. And then more recently, there's been the rise in popularity of ebooks. And also, we'll briefly mention audio books, which are another kind of electronic book, except rather than being based on text, uh, they're books that are recited, they're audio, as the name suggests. And as Gihan mentioned at the start, we're just focusing on books, there's all kinds of other ways of reading online, things like blogs, e-zines, mailing lists, and this podcast in particular.
0: So let's start talking, Chris, about buying books, and um, you know, both you and I are avid readers, and we've... We've always bought books, and most of the time we've just gone to bookshops and bought them from there. But in 1995, Amazon. .com opened up his bookstore, and I remember at the time it was uh, making making huge losses at the time, and so it took a while for it to go into profit, but it became really popular, and books really were among the first goods to be sold online, and I remember going to a conference in, I think it must have been 1997, 1998, where there was a futurist speaking and he was talking about the power of the internet, and he said, you know, what's the biggest product that's been sold on the internet? Books, and of course everyone laughed, but now that it really is, it's a big business, and you can buy printed books online and amazon.com of course is the one that everyone knows about and there are other options as well both within australia and international and most most bookshops most physical bookshops, shops do have some sort of online presence but if you look at well we talked about the two that have gone down the down the gurgler but Dimex, which is still around Dimex has a website but I don't think it's that great. It's got a shopping cart you can order from there, but it's not really taking advantage of what online can do for you. So it seems to be more of a token effort where there are other places like Fishpond. Fishpond.com.au is one that I stumbled across about a year ago, and that is an Australian or maybe New Zealand-based online bookshop. And it's got a great Great catalogue of books. They they really take advantage of some of the online features. So you can tell them what books you're interested in, and they'll they'll email you when there are specials. They do email specials from time to time. Specials tend to last like 24 hours, and you get really good discounts on books. And uh, so I've used it a couple of times. I don't know whether you have, Chris. Have you used um, Fishpond or any other Any other Australian online bookstore?
1: Yeah, I've even used um, Dimmicks, I think, um, as well as another one called Booktopia, which also seems to be uh, a purely online effort. They don't have any storefronts, they're just an online retailer.
0: And that's one of the things, I think, with bookshops now, that it costs a lot of money to be basically setting up a a warehouse for books in the middle of a shopping center somewhere, which is what physical bookstores are doing. That's they they're, they're saddled with high rents, they have to pay staff, they've got quite high overheads. Where there's this these online only um, outfits that don't have any of those costs, they can set up their warehouses close to distribution centers. They don't have to worry about having. Uh, Paying staff to manage the uh, walk-in trade, so uh, it's not surprising to me that they can sell them at you know, very redu- greatly reduced prices.
1: And at the same time, it's a little surprising that Dimex, who also have storefronts and uh, are, are operating successfully, don't make a better online effort, given that uh, some others can do
0: that. Yeah, and I think they just haven't des- they've just des- they haven't decided to do it yet. They they think that they're they're going to be safe with their Dimex storefronts. I think that's what it comes down to. Uh, but they're competing with uh, not just Amazon.com, but there's another one that my brother-in-law Neil told me about, the Book Depository, so it's bookdepository.co.uk, so it's a, it's an online bookshop out of the UK which offers books at amazing prices and they, they, they their, their big point of difference is they advertise free shipping worldwide. So you buy the book and that, of course that's one of the biggest disadvantages when you buy online uh, from an international supplier, or even from a local supplier, you have to pay postage. But the book depository gets around that by saying, no, free shipping. And actually, there's a bit of a controversy about that recently, where someone discovered that what they would do was they would check where the customer was from, based on their computer's IP address, and adjust the price, so that you might pay a little bit more if you're from Australia, as opposed to somebody locally in the UK. Uh, locally in the UK. However even allowing for that slightly dodgy tactic, it still turns out that buying from the book depository is significantly cheaper than walking into a Dimmock store and buying it buying it at full Australian retail.
1: Yeah, and even sites like Amazon.com, if you go there and are charged fairly hefty shipping, you can still sometimes get the book cheaper than you can get it over the counter in Western Australia or Australia-wide.
0: Yep, Exactly.
1: And if you're like me, who is a bit of a bargain hunter, uh, one thing I enjoy is uh, going to second-hand book sales. So there's a really big one in Perth each year, the Save the Children Book Fund, and that's hosted at the local uni. And uh, my wife and daughter, we go there and we uh, go through thousands and thousands of books, picking out real bargains there. But you can also do, have that experience online. So for example, Amazon.com have expanded from selling brand new books to retailing used books. Uh, and essentially what they have is a marketplace where professional and, and not necessarily professional but anyone who has second hand books that they want to sell can set up a shop front within the Amazon.com website. And I've often, I've bought quite a few uh, books secondhand through amazon.com and .co.uk, and they are really, they're, they're bargains. As I said, I'm a bargain hunter, and some of the second-hand offerings are particularly good value, and the books themselves are in really good condition as well. Even though they're second-hand, uh, they're still in good nick, and the retailers, uh, the, the second-hand retailers, indicate uh, what condition their books are in, and many of them are like new. Uh, But there are also other uh, websites that are devoted purely to second-hand retailing of books online Uh, One of the first ones I came across a while ago was Alibris And there's also abebooks.com, which is also uh, an enormous retailer of second-hand bookshops And again, what they are is a shop front for many, many second-hand retailers of books And other products as well, Alibris have expanded to computer games and uh, music as well
0: Yeah, and I've used Abe Books quite a bit. Again, I came across this about, I guess, about five years ago, and it's Abe is the Advanced Book Exchange, and this is a number of secondhand booksellers who have ganged up or ganged together, and they're just offering them through this Abe book site, which is a great aggregator. So instead of everyone having to set up their own website and get traffic to it, they all put their catalogues up onto the A B Books website and then anybody's interested in, in buying books, buying second-hand books, we just go to the site, we search for the title, it tells us where the book's available so we can narrow it down by country, by price range, by shipping time, by condition, as you mentioned, Chris, so you can say that you only want a book in as new condition, or you don't mind if it's slightly spoiled or slightly soiled, and it just does an advanced search and shows you all the books that match. And it's again, again you can get some really good bargains there, not not only within Australia as well, I've found that sometimes uh, I, I can get the book cheaper from the US or the UK, including shipping, than buying it second hand from an Australian retailer, and I guess that just reflects the fact that books are expensive in Australia. Absolutely.
1: And somewhere else that um, you can buy pretty much anything new or used is eBay. Uh, there's a huge section of their catalogue that's devoted to people retailing new and used books online. Um, and if you're an individual who has books that you want to get rid of, well, you can go down to a physical bookstore, or book exchange, but rather than going to Libris or Amazon or ABE books, which tends to be dominated by professional booksellers, uh, an alternative is to use eBay. If you've only got a handful of books, then it's probably easier just to use an eBay account if you have one and sell them through that channel rather than uh, the bigger online
0: second-hand booksellers. And just to just to reinforce your point, Chris, about the fact that small booksellers can do this just as just as much as big booksellers can, that there was a local bookstore, second-hand bookstore down here in where I live, in Leaderville in Perth, and Katie, the book owner, she was a, the bookshop owner, she was using both ABE Books and eBay, and interestingly, like she said to me, that she would put a lot of her catalogue on ABE Books. Um, she was selective, so she didn't put every book that she had because there's some that were, like, novels that would just have a very high turnover in the shop itself, but there were either some selected books that she'd put on ABE books, and the very specialised books that she thought that were uh, rare or particularly in particularly good condition or in high demand, that she could get a higher price for, she'd put them on eBay. And I thought that was quite useful for me as a customer to know as well, that if I'm looking at ABE books, that's great for general books, and if I'm looking on eBay, I might actually end up if I'm willing to buy the book and I'm willing to pay the price for it, I might be able to find it on eBay and not find it anywhere else. Cool. Well,
1: what are the benefits of shopping online? I actually quite enjoy going to bricks and mortar bookstores and just uh, browsing the uh, browsing the bookshelves and also going to book sales as well. But one of the great advantages of shopping online is the convenience. You don't have to leave your house to uh, go and shop online or you can even use your smartphone or, or tablet or computer. There's no having to drive anywhere or find parking or uh, rub shoulders with the Great Unwashed <laughs> at the <local laughs> bookstore. You can do it from the convenience of your living room. Um, so there's that convenience, there's less hassle, and the obvious thing that we've mentioned several times already is the price. Uh, in Australia particularly, we feel that because books are so much more expensive than uh, many other countries in the world, whereas the online offerings are very much cheaper. As well as that... Uh, Sites like Amazon offer you this feature where you can actually preview the book, so you can flip through a few pages, just like you can flip through them when you find them on a bookshelf at a physical store. You can have a look at a few pages of the book online as well, so you get a feel for the book that you're going to buy. You can actually see whether it matches your expectations. And then uh, Amazon and other bookstores alike have a feature where they can suggest books to you. So if uh, you're looking at a particular book you're about to make a purchase, uh, they can say well other customers who have bought this book also bought uh, another title that's similar in some fashion you can compile wish lists so uh, if you uh, have people who want to uh, want suggestions when it comes to your birthday or Christmas or whatever you can point them to your wish lists of various books that uh, you've compiled throughout the year and there's various rating systems so Amazon has uh, professional ratings and ratings from uh, from the browsers who have bought those books as well as um, sorry ratings and reviews so some of detailed reviews including you know five stars or, and that sort of thing
0: and I, I found some of those features very very useful Chris uh, so it- even if you leave aside the whole convenience factor, which I think for a lot of people is the biggest, it's the biggest factor as to why they buy online, things like being able to read what other customers have written about the book or getting book suggestions. So quite often, and obviously this is part of Amazon's marketing, is when I buy a book and it will tell me other customers also bought this related book, those suggestions are pretty good. And I don't get that sort of suggestion, I don't get that sort of recommendation when I walk into a physical bookstore, unless the other book is sitting right next to it. But, because of the way that Amazon works, it's using the power of the crowd, and it's um, saying there are other people like you, and if you like this book, chances are you like like the, these other books that people like you have liked. And those sort of features I find very, very useful, and I would... Happily, even if it was as inconvenient to buy online as it is to go to a physical bookstore, I would happily still buy online just for those additional features.
1: Yeah, that crowdsourcing that you mentioned, Girhan, is really powerful. So Amazon makes use of the sales that they, the sales to their customers and visitors to their websites. But uh, there are social media tools like Shelfari and Visual Bookshelf, which I think are both standalone uh, tools as well as apps for Facebook. They allow you to gather those kinds, that kind of resource from a wider crowd than just people who have bought a book at Amazon. So I use Visual Bookshelf in Facebook and when I go go to that, it has a a feature that allows you to get suggestions, and that's based on the books that you've read and how you've rated them, and then it goes and finds people with similar tastes to yours based on the books that they've read and their ratings, and then from there it can infer other titles that you've yet to read uh, and would possibly find interesting. So that that kind of crowdsourcing has been picked up by social media uh, and expanded to a wider audience than just the customers of a single bookstore.
0: Yep, you're right, and I use Shelfari, and the way you described Visual Bookshelf sounds like Shelfari is pretty much exactly the same thing. So I can set up my bookshelf, I can talk about the books that I'm reading, the books that I've read, and the books that I'd like to get. So I can set up a wish list on there, and then invite friends in, so it's like having Facebook, but for readers. So I, I find that useful as well, and that's really something that the internet allows you to do. And that's not that's not necessarily connected to a physical or an online bookstore. But it's a way of you connecting with readers, just like you. Yeah. So let's. So we've talked about physical books so far, and we've we've said that there are a number of ways that you can get access to them, including online. Let's move on to eBooks because eBooks is uh, are things that I've just started. At the start of this year, I got myself an eBook reader. Uh, through my samsung galaxy tab which is an android tablet and so i've started reading ebooks on my on my tab and it's been interesting it's been surprising how quickly i've switched over to them but let's talk about some of the pros and cons of ebooks so let me start with some of the the pros and we're talking about ebooks versus printed books or what some some people call p books so they're obviously lighter and more portable because you can have uh, a thousand books uh, on your little tablet computer so handheld uh, they can be more than Text, even though most of the ebooks that I've seen so far tend to be just electronic form of the exact same text that you'd get in a printed book. But you can get ebooks which have video embedded, which have diagrams that, that move, or you can have animation in there. So it, we will see, I think, coming up in the future that the whole concept of just words on a page and words and pictures on a page is going to be a little bit outdated and there will be a lot more rich media in books. The other really interesting thing about ebooks, if you're using a service like, say, the Amazon Kindle, is you can see what other readers are doing. So I don't know whether you're the sort of person who spoils their books, Chris, by marking them up with highlighters and little notes in the margin. I was brought up not to, so I don't, but I know lots of people do. With e-books, say, say if you've got a Kindle and you're reading an e-book on the Kindle, you can optionally turn on a feature where you can actually see not only what you mark up in your book, but you can see what other readers have marked up in the same part of the book. So it becomes a reading becomes, instead of a one-on-one thing, it becomes a collaborative effort the other uh, big advantage of ebooks Is the price So I find that I can buy an e-book So the b- sort of business ebooks That I buy on Amazon on Through my Kindle Are about $10 each uh, $10 US Which is about $10 Australian now And that would compare to uh, at least $20 if I was buying the, the physical book and certainly $20 if I was buying through Amazon if I count the shipping as well. So it's not only cheaper, but you just get it delivered instantly as well. I Just one click, I buy it, and it's downloaded directly to my e-reader, and it's there five minutes later. So, so there are a lot of advantages to reading e-books.
1: Yeah, you mentioned price, Han I recently read a blog post about uh, a self-published author who has an e-book in the top 100 list on Amazon and he did an experiment whereby he dropped the price of his ebook from i think it was about $5 down to 99 cents and even though um, he was he was making good money at the $5 price once he dropped it to 99 cents his sales went through the roof and he was making far more money from his ebook once he dropped the price that low um that, that, that led the blog poster to conjecture that perhaps all ebooks, I mean who's, the cost of printing an ebook is essentially zero, because of that low cost, will all ebooks sort of fall to that kind of price of 99 cents? So they're cheap now at around about the $10 mark, but there's already a kind of race to the bottom.
0: Yeah, I think that that is interesting and I think that depends a lot on your distribution. So if you've got enough of a customer database or potential customer database that when you charge $10, a whole bunch of them are not going to buy it because of price, but if you drop the price, then more of them are going to buy it. And I think it would be interesting to see what happens with distribution models, whether everyone's then going to flock to the Apple iTunes store or the Amazon Kindle store and those those big air big marketplaces like that are going to have so much traffic to them that authors can drop their price. And yeah, if if they can, if they can drop it to ninety nine cents and make more money than if they're charging ten times as much, then good on them. And good mm-hmm. on that's great for us as, as consumers.
1: Exactly. So P-books or printed books, I like that word, P-books, Gihan. What are the pros of those? Well, obviously, they're more resilient than uh, e-books. E-books, you have to read with some kind of technology, so you need batteries. Uh, there's some software that might uh, might be a bit dodgy, um, and you have to be careful that you don't get them wet. So a book, you can happily uh, soak in the tub or go and read out in the park, and if it starts raining, it's not a problem. You can get them wet. Uh, they're easier to read generally because uh, the current e-reader technology still has some problems if you're reading in bright sunlight because it's kind of an emissive display rather than a reflective display. Uh, you, if, depending on how you're brought up, you can write in them, leave notes in the, in the margin, stick post-it notes in certain pages, dog ear the, the uh, corners of the page if you want to find where you're up to recently. You can easily lend them to your friends or give them away or sell them second-hand. Uh, And one of the reasons that you can do those last few operations is because they're not saddled with what's called DRM, Digital Rights Management. E-books being uh, an electronic medium, uh, it's possible to couple them with uh, some kind of licensing mechanism which restricts the actions that you can perform with them. So you might be limited to only reading it on uh, a Kindle device and maybe only making one copy of it elsewhere and not lending it to others, although mechanisms for lending and borrowing books, uh, -books, e-books is starting to emerge. But at the moment, this DRM problem uh, is a bit of a cloud on the horizon as far as e-books are concerned.
0: And this is really based on the whole idea of protection, isn't it? Like if I have a printed book and I lend it to you, Chris, then the publisher kind of doesn't mind because I, don't, I can't use a book at the same time as you're reading it. So I don't get access to it again until you give it back to me. Whereas with electronic products, if I lend it to you, they have to somehow lock it so that I can't read it for the period of time that it's being lent out. Otherwise, it just gets just distributed far and wide
1: that's right that's right so they want to make sure there's really kind of only one copy of the e-book in circulation much in the same way as there's only one copy of the p-book that uh, that you own Uh, and you know printed books have a kind of uh, a lure to them that uh, that's more inviting for some people than electronic books they're tangible you can hold them we're familiar with them because we've all grown up with them and even you know my kids my my daughter she's she's growing up with p books printed books and so she's going to have that familiarity with them that gives that gives them an advantage over e books in her mind uh, but perhaps future generations are going to wonder what a printed book is in much the same way as my daughter has no idea what a vinyl lp is or a vhs video cassette uh, and printed photos are also going the way of uh, of of lps and so on because you know, their, their physical form is no longer needed when you've got an electronic version of it.
0: Yeah, look, and I think people will just get over it. Uh, I was surprised how quickly I got over it when I got my Android tablet. And the Android tablet isn't the best Uh, e-reader either it's not as good as say a Kindle but I got it I I bought a book at the start of the year Presentation Zen which I just saw on somebody that the author's blog who I follow I followed his blog he had a link to his new book downloaded it on Amazon from Amazon for $10 within 5 minutes I had it and I was reading it and it just amazed me how easily I got over my love of having the like touching, feeling printed books and seeing them all up on my bookshelf. So I think it's just going to go that way. I remember having the whole Billy Joel collection, Chris, on vinyl LPs and then reluctantly having to chuck out my old record player, knowing that I only had three CDs of Billy Joel and I had to start the collection all over again. And Uh now people are listening to this going, CDs, what's that? (laughs) So, yeah, look, I I think we'll get over it.
1: I think you're right. I think there's going to be, you know, a generation's worth of people who still don't get over it. But beyond that, well, that might be when uh, things like books and CDs become niche products that are hard to find and very expensive as a consequence.
0: Yep. And look, and I think even say your daughter Lauren and my niece Abby and my nephew Riley—they're all kind of roughly the same age—and they are at the moment, at the stage now, all three of them, where they're loving reading, so they will—they know what printed books are but they will be, in the next couple of years, just as familiar with reading ebooks on iPads and Android tablets and Kindles as they will with taking out a printer book from the library.
1: Exactly. And by the time they get to uni, they probably will have, uh, as part of their curriculum, uh, something prescribed to them, some kind of e-reader, because there was uh, news recently that St George's College, Uni Melbourne, recommended that all of their staff and students be given an an iPad, I think it was, was recommended, rather than having to lug about textbooks, that all their texts be given to them as e-books.
0: Yep. Yep, and there are a lot of schools now which already have a, a mandated la- um, laptop for each, st- each student, and I'm pretty sh- sure they're soon going to change to an iPad for each student. Yeah. For, there are pros and cons to that, which we won't talk about here, but, yep, it's definitely going to become the reading tool of the of the future. Well, e-books are going to be the reading the medium of the future.
1: Yeah. So how do we get our hands on e-books? Well, Amazon, uh, one of the leaders here, they've got the, the Kindle app, the Kindle um, Reader, and a bookstore to go with those devices and applications. So they're selling tons of e-books. I think they're outselling their printed books as well. And Apple's iTunes store also offers uh, their format for e-books. I think Barnes & Noble also have uh, e-books online. And there are lots of smaller retails of retailers online of e-books as well. So there are plenty of sources for e-books, including uh, a huge repository of free e-books from stuff that literature that is no longer covered by copyright
0: yeah and look we've been talking all, all we've been talking about the whole the, the modern version of an ebook the modern format of ebooks but we shouldn't forget that there's still the humble pdf file which is the way that we used to create ebooks way back in the 20th century and uh, that's still valid and there's there's still lots of people producing ebooks in pdf format you can go to their websites download them free or pay for them and you can read them on the the spectrum of e-readers that are available now so they're We've mentioned a couple of times Amazon's got a Kindle, which is their own device, and so if you're a publisher, you have to convert your ebooks into that format, into a special Kindle format. But there are, there are, what's the word I'm looking for, Chris? A, a wide standard. A
1: broad it's, standard, perhaps.
0: Yes, it's not a proprietary standard. There's a, a format called EPUB, which is an uh, like MP3. It's not owned by any particular organization so epub seems to be the standard at the moment for ebook publishing or pdf and you can read epub books or pdf books on your kindle Barnes and Noble has a device called the nook You can also get, if you've got an iPad or an iPhone or an Android phone or an Android tablet, you can get apps for them, like the Kindle app is the one that I've got. I don't have a Kindle, but I do have the Kindle app on my tablet, and that gives me access to everything I can get from Amazon, just as if I did have a Kindle
1: and it's it's also able to read
0: the other formats that you've mentioned, ePub and so forth. that's right, that's right, so that's one of the big advantages if you've got something that even a Kindle will allow you to read PDFs. I think you might still have to go through a little like you email it to Amazon and it emails you back the converted version, but still you can read ebooks now in a lot of different ways, and that's one of the reasons that they've become so popular now it's not because there's uh, more of them, that's one reason, but because consumers, normal consumers, can get a simple e-reader device that they go out and buy at a bookshop and use that to read e-books. And in the past, it wasn't as easy as that. If you had a laptop, you could read e-books on your laptop, but even then, you had to be carrying your laptop around with you and you have to turn it on and power it up, and run, it'll run out of batteries. Whereas now, you've got the iPad, which lasts the batteries will last for a day. The Android tablets are almost as good. There's a Kindle, which apparently the batteries last for a month without recharging. So they've suddenly become a, a very convenient tool for reading what people only used to be able to read in print. Okay. So I guess the, the one last thing, and we just mentioned this in passing, because it is a slightly different way of reading books now, and it's reading them as audiobooks. And there has been for a while this whole idea of this audiobook culture. And I remember Chris, uh, even when my when my grandmother was alive, and she was she was an avid reader, and she had a service where she could get books read, uh, she could get audiobooks because her eyesight was failing. So at first she was reading the the large print books, and then the audiobook versions were available. And that used to be only for specialized needs like that, but now there are sites like audible.com, which recognize that people are busy, they don't have time to dedicate to do single-tasking reading, and they're quite happy to listen to audiobooks, which are sometimes read by the authors or otherwise read by skilled readers, So, and some people swear by them. They love the idea of being able to listen to books and get the same sort of experience as if they were reading them themselves.
1: And is that an advantage of going back to tra- tra- traditional? I was going to say traditional ebooks, but standard ebooks, books Do some of the apps and devices allow you to, to to recite the book to you rather than you having to read it? Do they have that functionality?
0: Oh no! Look, that's interesting. So you've got some sort of text-to-speech thing. I hadn't thought about that, but I'm. I would be surprised if there wasn't, now that you mention it. Okay. Uh, something like Audible, they actually pay authors, or so they pay readers, to read out the books. So you actually get a much better experience than just a computer-generated uh, speech. Um, so and people swear by the by the Audible books. I think our friend Kathleen ha, has a subscription to Audible, and so she gets two books a month as part of a subscription. And so when she's doing long drives, she can listen to books that way. But it's different than just a computer-generated speech
1: sure. So with the e-reader it's like Stephen Hawking is the celebrity they've got reading the book for
0: you. <laughs> yes, that's right. I, I'm sure that that sort of e-reader is available, Chris, where they just read out the text out loud in the, the computer-generated voice.
1: Okay, great. Well, let's summarise then, Gihan. Let's conclude with uh, the statement that books are dead. Long live books. So what we mean by that is that Traditional printed books and perhaps bookstores that sell them are dying, but that at the same time reading is thriving as a new way of accessing reading, reading material uh, via the internet uh, is coming online. Uh, nonetheless, books may well be dying, but I think it's going to be a long and slow death. I think there's still enough people to sustain a market for printed books and bookstores themselves, but as I said earlier, I think they're going to become a niche product, they're going to become more expensive and harder to get, that, get your hands on. But uh, fear not, there are so many cool ways of accessing reading material online that are much cheaper, uh, easy to read, you can get so much more material as a consequence. Um, so I think we've got a bright future for reading.
0: I think we do and I guess our message is that it's not either or. It's not a case of saying, Okay, I'm never going to read another printed book before. I'm going to read everything by e books or listen to them through Audible. It's just a case of and you've now got more options. So there are books that I've I'm just standing here now looking at my bookshelf and I've got a pile of books that I'm waiting to read and these are printed books. And at the same time I also am downloading ebooks and reading them on my on my Android tablet. And I don't listen to books on by audio but i listen to tons and tons of podcasts on by audio so i'm using all three mediums so it's all three media and it's not a case of getting rid of one it's just a case of adding more options
1: great well it's been good talking to you gihan i'll have another one of these in a month or so
0: we will thanks very much chris speak to you then bye for now
1: you've been listening to the focal point podcast you can find us on the web at www.focalpointpodcast.com. Subscribe to the podcast, listen to our past episodes or leave us your comments or questions. We look forward to having you back next time.